Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name's Ryan. As always, it's my, my joy to, to serve as the Connections Pastor here at Journey, as well as to host this podcast with Pastor Christian. We, we start a brand new teaching back in the book of Matthew, back in chapter 5, actually. Uh, the series is called Chasing Perfection, and the series premise is to learn how much we depend on Jesus to live like Jesus. The first week uh, of the study is called The Downside of Jesus, The Upside of Salty. Um, as always, we want to make sure we're we're doing our best. This is a resource to try to activate some people in their faith to help them grow. Pastor Christian, thanks for being on here and sharing uh, wisdom and insight um, with our with our guests listening in. A first question: The Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl, uh, and they're playing against a guy, Tom Brady, who's playing in his tenth Super Bowl. How do you think they'll do? Well, man, I hope they win, um, and I I think our guy is better than their guy right now. Um, Brady's played in 10, but man, Mahomes is, is, especially for a Chiefs fan, he's just so fun to watch. So I think if the Chiefs play their best, um, they'll win. But yeah, Brady's kind of a magician and he's been playing forever. Somehow he found the fountain of youth to think, I, you know, I was thinking about it last week, you, you know, I, I love sports to think that Tom Brady has played in 10 Super Bowls and he played at the exact same time as uh, Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, like he's not played when there weren't any other good players. Like he's been playing against Hall of Fame quarterbacks his entire career, and to think he's made ten Super Bowls is is just um, is just kind of insane. I remember growing up watching Joe Montana, and it was like he made four and was just and no one would ever no one would ever be him. Of course, he he won all of them. Um, you know, when you grow up watching Montana and Michael Jordan playing basketball, you just think you've seen the best there ever was. Um, yeah, and then a guy like him comes along. But I, I hope we hand him his fourth Super Bowl loss. That would, that would be my goal that uh, that we jump up and get him. It's just fun for the city when, when the Chiefs win. It'll be weird not having a parade. I don't know how they'll celebrate uh, in the world of COVID, but uh, it would be pretty cool if the last thing that happened before COVID was the chief Super Bowl parade. And one of the first things that happened after the vaccination rollout began was another chief's Super Bowl parade. Uh, be, be pretty good bookends on a, on what, on what was a bad season in between. They're always good community builders. We, we remember back in 2015 when the Royals won the World Series. Yes. What a big community builder that was. The camaraderie, neighbors talking to neighbors and just, uh, just the impact that had on our city. So let's, let's hope it has another positive impact, but. Yeah, we'll see. When I saw the stat, excuse me, that he was uh, nine and four in conference championships, I just thought he's played in thirteen, and then of course now he's ten, 10 and four, four yeah. in conference championships. I thought it's insane. That's an unbelievable. Yep. I mean, how many years has he played? I think he's played nineteen. Yeah, so uh, maybe thirds of them. twenty. Two yeah. thirds of the time he's playing for a conference which, championship. Yeah, which means he played on a really good team for a really long time. Um, we know they were good at cheating and only got caught twice. Um, but yeah, you, you look at it and it's like, hey, maybe they were doing something they weren't supposed to that no one else was doing, um, that whole time. So, um, 
but he still got six rings at the end of it. So of course, why not? No one's listening to this podcast to listen to us talk about sports. So no, no. Uh, let's let's jump into uh, Matthew five. But go Chiefs. That's right. Well, for those who who love to study the Bible and perhaps want to teach or preach at some point. Uh, Pastor Christian, can you can you tell us your process for how you begin to kind of unpack not only a book of the Bible, but then how you do uh, the same for maybe a chapter of the uh, book of the Bible, like Matthew chapter five? How we're going to see so many uh, sermons out of one chapter. Well, I had a professor in college in in my inductive Bible study class, which is you know learning how to study the Bible one one word at a time, who told us that you you shouldn't study a word of the Bible until you know the verse and you shouldn't study the verse of a bible until you know the chapter and you shouldn't study you know teach the chapter and until you know the book and you shouldn't teach the book until you know the context and basically said until he he was the professor who had to start on the first day of class with write the 66 books of the bible in the correct order spelled correctly for everyone out of order dock yourself a letter grade for everyone misspelled dock yourself a letter grade and he basically said you cannot teach a verse of the bible until you know all of the bible you can't teach it well you can't teach a verse of the bible well until you know all of the bible so i would say for anyone who wants to one day be a bible teacher you got to read the bible like pick it up start at genesis 1 1 and don't stop until you're done with revelation you know chapter 22 21 i think it is or 21 22 um and you say what what do i do when i finish it read it again and read it again and read it again and read it again um, and once you've done that and you, and you begin to teach like the Sermon on the Mount, which Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is, is great to teach. Um, first you have to know who Matthew was. You have to know who Matthew was writing to. You have to know what he was trying to accomplish, why he was writing his book. And then you have to understand how Jesus teaching fits into the narrative of that. And then once you've done all of those things, you just read what Jesus says and you say it. I mean, you just, you don't need to be mass, a masterful creative to teach the Bible. You just have to understand. You got to do the work of understanding it. And then you just have to say what Jesus said. And if you can, without changing the meaning, put it in a modern day context that will help people understand a little more of what Jesus meant 2000 years ago so they can get it now. Like when we talked about salt, we don't think about salt today the way that people thought about salt 2,000 years ago. So when Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, to help people understood that people would have have thought of salt as a preservative. First and foremost, salt was what you packed fish in to keep it fresh because they, they didn't have ice, they didn't have ice coolers. So if you wanted to if you wanted to keep something fresh, if you wanted to keep something edible, if you wanted to keep something useful, you had to pack it in salt. So when Jesus says, be the salt of the earth, 2,000 years ago, they would have said, we, we've we got to pack so tightly around the teaching of Jesus and the way of Jesus that, that, we, that we preserve this, that, that we preserve what Jesus has given us. Um, a lot of times people were paid in salt. Uh, it's where the phrase comes from, that they're not worth their salt. The, we get the English word salary from the Greek word for salt. Um, so we know it that when Jesus says to be salt of the earth, they would have thought that means to add value to something, to go into any situation and to add value to that situation because I am a follower of Jesus. Um, you know, we, we now would say salt adds flavor and it, and it did. 
uh, 2,000 years ago too, but not primarily. So when the believers heard Jesus say, you are the salt of the earth, they would have thought, man, I ought to, I ought to make life more enjoyable for people. I ought, to, I ought to help show the silver lining on the dark clouds. I, I am the one who takes a very bland, broken life and, and makes it palatable, makes it livable. It's only Jesus who can take a bad meal of a broken life and a broken situation and broken systems in the world that are handed to you um, and, and allow you to kind of force them down and maybe even have parts of them that you enjoy. Like only Jesus does that. So as a teacher, you want to you want to read what Jesus said. You want to hear it and understand it like his hearers and uh, like his hearers understood it when he said it. And then you want to try to translate that to your people. Uh, but the best way to study the Bible is pick it up and read it. Uh, the best way to teach the Bible is just say what it says without deviating. But you got to know all of it. Um, it's hard to teach Matthew without knowing Genesis and Revelation and anything, uh, everything in between, because they all um, they all fit together. It's one message from the very beginning to the very end, and you've you've got to highlight where you are in the message um, and where you are in the timeline of what Jesus did in the world, wants to do in your life, and wants to continue to do in the world. In a real practical way, it's exactly how I learned. I was taught just start reading through the Bible, read it a number of times, and then at the same time, for those of you, it's I started listening to sermons not only at church, uh, but then in my car and, and continuing to teach me and understanding how to use a study Bible to begin to understand how, how concepts tie together from Old Testament, New Testament. So, yeah, it's... Uh, and of course, with Matthew chapter five, it's not like you can preach one message on Matthew chapter five. You could, but we're going to be a long message. It'd be a long message because yeah. there's so many different areas. And of course, you're doing that with different series. So, um, now thanks for, thanks for unpacking that for so many on who I know listen, who really want to grow and develop their ability to communicate God's word, either in a Bible study, uh, or one day preaching. But I will say this too. And you, you said this, if not on the podcast, certainly at our church. The best way to learn to teach the Bible is to teach the Bible. Yes. So go to our children's ministry and say, I want to be a small group teacher. And every day show up and have a three to, every Sunday show up with a three to five minute lesson yeah. on a verse that you've read. Or, or join a women's ministry group or join a men's ministry group or, you know, go to the Bible study or the prayer time if there's one that ever meets at your office or send your kids a text message. Um, with a verse, like the best way to learn to teach is to teach. Like the best way to learn to swim is to swim. The best way to learn to teach is to teach. Just start telling people what you are learning and you'll learn as it translates that you'll have a, you'll have a passion to take what God has given you and give it to other people. Yeah. So I think what Pastor Christian wanted those listening to not think you have to be a theologian before you can ever start. Correct. And I certainly wasn't when I started teaching third grade right. uh, with my wife, uh, we were learning many times at the same time, but it helped develop our ability. In the first point of the message, you remind people of the truth from Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. What do you think Jesus desires from his people in the midst of a, a challenging culture? You kind of make mention of that in the message and a global uh, pandemic. It's what, he's, it's what he's always wanted. He, he wants us to reflect his glory so that we, so that we know him and we know his we know his father personally. Like the thing that, that Jesus has always wanted was to help the world connect to God by showing them the Savior that he, wa- he was. Uh, and Jesus wants us to continue to reflect that glory. You know, when the, when the uh, teachers of the law came to him and, and tried to trap him in his words and, and tried to 
tried to get him to um, usurp Rome's authority by saying, hey, do we pay taxes or not? Uh, people who would have been strict Judaizers at the time would have said, we never give our money to a secular government. Um, if Jesus says, don't pay taxes, the Romans will kill him. If he says, do pay taxes, the Jews will kill him. We got him. So do we pay taxes or not? He said, give me a coin. He said, whose image is on it? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, give to Caesar what's Caesar and give to God's what is God's. What he meant is the image of Caesar's on the coin. The image of God is in you. So give your life to God. Jesus wants us to be the image of God to a world that does not know him yet. He wants us to be the light of the gospel to the world that does not know him yet. Um, so when you look at these concepts of salt and light, salt really is for the Christian world. Preserve preserve your Christian community. Pre, um, add, add value and add flavor because of your Christian community. Light is, you got to show the world that I'm here. They don't even know. Uh, it, it's It's one of the... I say probably one of the greatest compliments Jesus ever gave, you were the light of the world, because in John eight twelve he said, I am the light of the world. So it's one of the few times you can look at Scripture and said, well, Jesus said, I'm just like him. That was the first point of our message, just like Jesus. But then we look at the downside of following Jesus, which you say there's a downside to following Jesus. If you read Scripture, if you read scripture carefully enough, there, there's a hard side to following Jesus. In John chapter 3, we read this wonderful conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus, we read all the great verses that that people have memorized. Um, John three three, except a man be born again, he can't either enter the kingdom of God. John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. John three seventeen, that God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. But then in John three eighteen, it says, however, everyone who doesn't believe in him is already condemned. And then at John three twenty, it said that. Everyone who lives in darkness hates the light. So Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And there's a big group of people who hate the light. So we we have to decide in 2021 whether we're going to shrink back from the haters. And I talked about it in the message. I think it's later in the podcast too. There is this false belief in teaching in Christianity these days, that if you live like Jesus and love like Jesus, everyone will love you. But Ryan, like, he was crucified. He was crucified. So it's like, well, not everybody loved Jesus when he was Jesus. So why, like, why would we expect, why would we expect the world if we lived? He said he's the light of the world. He told us you're the light of the world. Why would we expect the same broken world that hated and killed him because of what he stood for and how his life condemned what they stood for? Why would we expect them to accept us when they rejected him? I think that verse that we study this week, John 3.20, is really powerful. They hated the light. I think the the verse we studied in Luke this week that I said, no one has tattooed on their body. Um, All men will hate you because of me. In the end times, Jesus says, here's what you need to look forward to. Everybody who's not a follower of mine is going to hate you because of me. So one of the points of our message this week is Discipleship 101. If you love Jesus, people will hate you. Can you keep moving forward? I think the question Jesus wants us to know, what Jesus wants from us is, will you identify with me? Will you identify? Will you be one of mine no matter the cost? Will you be one of mine no matter the rejection. Will you be one of mine, no matter the hate? 
or will you try to play to the world and be their friend? Uh, I said in my message Sunday, the days of living a life, loving people who don't know Jesus and be and being friendly to people who don't know Jesus, those days never end. But the days of living to be loved by those who hate Jesus and to be friends with those who hate Jesus, those are over. Those are over. In, those are over in our country. Um, and maybe it's good because it's it's forcing people to choose: Am I really in or not? Because following Jesus, um, it ain't always rosy. But I love him. They hated him. They're going to hate me too. But I'm with him. He's my guy. Jesus wants us to identify with him, good times and bad, blessings and persecution. He wants us to identify with him and look so much like him that he says, I'm the light, you're the light. When they look at you, they should see me. That's what Jesus wants from us. And we're going to have to be a little tougher. We're going to have to be a little tougher to look like Jesus uh, moving forward. It actually leads, as you mentioned, into the next question. And, you know, a key goal of your message was, to honestly discuss the ramifications, no one likes that word, the ramifications of carrying Jesus' light into our world. And you discuss some of the challenge of Christianity in 2021 and, and how people want to change the narrative. You said, if you make anybody feel bad, if you make anybody feel condemned, you're a bad Christian, you're not being like Jesus. And then you, you kind of make three statements, which you just kind of alluded to. One is, because Jesus loved everybody, which is true. That's true. Yep. Jesus never condemned anybody. It's not true. Not true. Nope. And everybody loved Jesus. It's entirely wrong. Yeah, exactly. Entirely yeah. wrong. So they killed it, him. Yeah, they killed him. And so in your days as a pastor and previously a youth pastor, what, what ramifications have you seen of people carrying this, this Jesus light of the world? Most people who carry Jesus light well are rejected by somebody. We saw it in youth ministry, kids, parents. I, mean. I actually saw it more in student ministry than I than I do leading a church of adults. I think it's because students have a shameless passion. One, because they were way more bold about their sin, um, and adults hide their sin. And when they became a Jesus follower, they became so radical about their Jesus following. And kids, kids are bold enough to think they can change the world. So kids think, Jesus changed me, he can change you too. Um, so like everyone needs to come to church and get saved. Like kids just put it all out there. I'm a Jesus follower now, you should be too. So I, I actually saw a lot more teenagers rejected for their faith than I have seen adults. Um, but Ryan, I think, I think the reality is when, when you follow Jesus and you're surrounded by people who don't, they're going to fall into one of two categories. And we talk about this in, in our message. You're like, okay, if, well, if people hate the light, should I quit being the light? No, because a lot of people need the light. The only people that hate the light are people who have rejected Jesus. There are a lot of people, they don't know about the light because they don't know Jesus. So they need you. So you, you have two groups of people in your life who have not received the light yet. Those who will never and those who are yet to. And what we got to ask is, are we strong enough to be rejected by those who will never, that we will care enough to go reach those who have yet to? And teenagers usually are more likely to say yes at this, at this point than adults because it, it costs, it costs adults more. Um, cause you got a job and you got a family and you got a home and you got bills and, and you kind of got a social circle and, and you've got an identity. But I, I, I haven't met very many people who when they go all in for Jesus aren't rejected by somebody. 
but Jesus was the first one to be all in spiritually, and Ryan, they crucified him. So I, you know, the author of Hebrews says, like, hey, when like when you suffer, don't don't see it as something strange that's happening to you, but consider the one who suffered on a cross. Because if not, you might grow weary and think like it's just too hard. But when you consider Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, like you'll you'll be able to keep running your race. I I think we we have to moving forward. We have to teach people how to carry rejection, carry negativity, carry the hate, um, and keep moving forward with the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus without becoming hard-hearted, without becoming negative, without becoming judgmental, um, to accept it, to deflect it to the one who can take it, to put our trust in him. And to live on mission, to live on mission so you can find new community. I mean, we talked about that last week. You're going to meet people as you live on mission. And the reality is most people who step out of a life of sin into a life of following Jesus, most of their life of sin will hang behind. Christians, see, when you really talk, when you really think about it and talk, most Christians don't accept their friends who aren't, or, or don't reject their friends who aren't Christians. Their friends reject them. Um, most Christians are not saying, I'm done with you. It's their friends saying, we don't want this, we don't want this you, um, in our life. So it's, it's really lonely when you step from a life of sin to start following Jesus, unless you live on mission. And then all of a sudden you're surrounded. Cause like we said, Jesus has lots of friends and he has lots of people on mission. And if you would just start following him, pretty soon you're going to look to your right and your left. You're going to be surrounded by people. And if you choose to love those who love the savior like you do, uh, your life will be, your life will be filled with people. Um, but rejection is a very real, promised part of following Jesus. And I just think we've got to be more honest about that. And we've got to be just kind of willing to deal with that in our soul and then keep moving forward in our life. And let's hope, um, you know, the people who are listening know they're not alone as they go through those times. And that's yep. why you mentioned the need for community and church and people to be there to encourage you and support you. Uh, last question. Even even though there are challenges and ramifications of following Jesus, we are still to mourn sin uh, and become ministers and missionaries to people who are in bondage, who are hurting, who are who are stuck in you know maybe ways that are uh, sinful. And Jesus still calls us to be the salt of the world. How, how have you seen people be salt and light in the midst of their communities and their families? Oh man, so um we are on February 14th having our next oneness embraced um Sunday our first quarter. We're just going to keep doing one of those per quarter and just asking God to help us learn to be better and eventually become an example of of um of what it what a church looks like that lives in racial unity and just does ministry better um with more diversity. And and on that day, I'll be uh, interviewing the, man, the general manager of the Kansas City Royals, Dayton Moore, um, who I have watched do as much for teenagers in the urban core. Um, I mean, as anyone we work with in the city, he just has a heart to give opportunities in education, in athletics, in leadership, um, in faith um, to to kids. That he that he just has huge belief in, and he and he and he just knows if I can if I can raise up kids who feel loved and supported um, and who've been taught leadership 
in the urban core, um, they'll, they'll, they'll change the world. I mean, he just, he just believes that with all his heart and everywhere he's been, he's had this bent in this engagement in, in ministry in the urban core. And one of the questions I'll be asking him is why? I mean, why? I mean, you've been in Kansas City now 14 years. It appears to be the same as it's always been. Why are you putting so much effort? Why are you putting so much money? Why are you putting so much time? Why everywhere that you've been, you've thought you could use baseball and education and leadership and faith to make a difference? Why? And you'll hear him say that I've that I've heard him say time and time and time again um, that you just you just you never like you never stop fighting. You just you never give in. You never surrender. You always believe Jesus wants to move. You you put your faith in people, and you just believe if if you can love and support people, some of them are going to be raised up to make a tremendous difference. Um, and there are still a lot of parts of our world. There are a lot of parts of our city. There are a lot of parts of our Lee Summit community. There are a lot of parts of, of people's hearts in our church that are still pretty dark spiritually. But if they're getting a little lighter and if they're getting a little saltier, like we, like we talked about, point number two of our message, let's get salty. There's just a little, just a smaller area than there used to be that looks like Jesus. Just a, a action or two in your life per week that adds a little more flavor to the world because of who Jesus is. There's just one thing you do that adds value every day to someone else's life in any area. Then it, it may not be as bright as the sun, but it'll be lighter than it was when it was pitch black. Um, and it may not taste as, as good as a heavenly meal, but it'll taste a little better than the bland brokenness that we were born into. And what I, what I think you'll hear with people who want to be salt and light is the Mother Teresa comment that, you know, when someone said, you know, how, when, when you look across everything that's so broken, how do you feel like you're making any difference at all? And she, she said, I just help one and I start with the one closest to me. When you see people who have devoted their life to being salt and light, they're not trying to solve the problems of the entire world. They're trying to solve the problems of one. They're starting with someone close to them. They're doing it because Jesus did it for them and they want to do it for somebody else. And Jesus said, when you become mine, you become light. When you become mine, you become salt. And the world needs Jesus followers to be salt and light so they can experience who Jesus is and what Jesus offers. Great answer. You know, I was challenging the men in my Leaders Made Discipleship group this morning. Very similar things. Who are we pouring into? Who are we being light to? Who, who around us are we being salt to? And in some cases, it's one person at a time. So um, let that be a challenge to you. You may think, how am I going to make this huge impact in the world? One person at a time. Look around you, pray, and ask God to, to use you. Pastor Christian, thanks uh, again for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you to our listeners, our guests. We really value you uh, listening to us uh, from wherever you're tuning in. I would love to see you on a Sunday morning, uh, either at 8, 9.30, or 11 here. And, of course, in two weeks on February 7th at 10 a.m. over at Summit Christian Academy, we'll have another option for you to come in person. Of course, you can always catch our services online. So many great avenues to do that. We'd love to hear how God's working in your life. If you want to email us, at activate at takethejourney.cc. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can rate us. Always is great to rate us or share this podcast with a friend. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith 
that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.